praise the Lord. If we could stand to our feet for the reading of God's word. Uh, we're going to read from Isaiah chapter 60. Hallelujah. Lord, we just pray today, Lord, as we're gathered in your name, to study your word, to pray, and to hear from you. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, this isn't just going through the motions. We're not here because of tradition. We're not here because of obligation. We're here because we want to be here, Lord, because we want to worship you, because we want to give you the honor and the praise that belongs to you as God. Hallelujah. We're going to read Isaiah 60. The title of the message is The Light of the World. Arise, shine, for your light has come. We can read it together if we have it on the screen. Um, Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Amen. So you may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. You know, there's something very significant about the reading of God's Word. When you read the Bible, don't just read it mentally. Read it aloud. Because then you have two senses, uh, not just your sight, but also your hearing. And there, there's something about the reading of God's Word, I believe, that affects the environment that you're in. There's power in God's Word. And here, the prophet Elijah, uh, or sorry, the prophet Isaiah declares, Arise and shine, for your life has come. And I believe this is very much... Uh, uh, you know, a prophetic uh, scripture that speaks to the times that we are in. And it, it doesn't say to lie down, give up, you know, give in to despair and hopelessness. It's awful. Things are bad. They're getting worse. No, it says, arise and shine. And it says, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And then it almost seems like a paradox because on one hand it's talking about arising and shining and God's glory being upon you. And then it says, uh, uh, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. It doesn't talk in just an abstract, um, in an, it says the darkness. And so, uh, you know, the Bible talks about how in the end days that there will be a darkness that will come upon uh, the world. And it says, behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. So notwithstanding the darkness that is around us, that darkness will not be in us, amen? It will not be on us. There will be a light and a glory that will be revealed upon the church and upon the people of God, and therefore there will be a clear delineation between those who are serving God and those who are not, those who are walking in the light and those who are walking in darkness. So that's what the title is. The light of the world, because again, this is a chapter of great contrasts, great uh, light, and yet great darkness. And there's no, there's no doubt that we're living in the days of the darkness, which God foretold literally thousands of years ago. The great falling away, as prophesied in Second Thessalonians chapter two, and I'm going to read it. It says, "Now, brethren, concerning the coming." of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means. Uh, it says, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed. Uh, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Here the Bible is talking about the Antichrist, and uh, it, it says that day will not come until there's a falling away first, the falling away from truth and righteousness. And it says, do you not remember when I was with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. Uh, the Bible here talks about that there's a restraining force on darkness, and that is the church. And uh, the Antichrist cannot enter into his 
role, into his position, uh, into the power that, um, that, that he will have for a time. The Bible says the seven years. He cannot do that until the church is taken away. We are that restraining force. Now some people say that's the Holy Spirit. Uh, no, it's not because people still get saved during the, um, uh, the, the tribulation. And so, uh, you know, the Bible says that's the Spirit of God who convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. So if people are still being saved, the Holy Spirit is still moving. And the Bible says even in the end days, angels will go forth proclaiming the everlasting gospel. And I tell you something, I count it to be such a privilege this morning to be preaching the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you know what? Governments come and go. Nations rise and fall. But the gospel is everlasting because the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. We are dealing with God's word. We're dealing with that which is holy, that which is true, that which is eternal, that which you can build your life on. I do not know what 2022 holds for us, but I, knew, I do know this. God is faithful and his word can be trusted. Could somebody say thank you, Jesus? Amen. So anyway, it says the lawless one will be revealed. Whom the, the, it says whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power signs, lying wonders, with the unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Amen. Not just the knowledge of the truth, the love of the truth. Remember, the only part of the Bible that you truly love is the part you obey. Hallelujah. And it says, for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie and that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so this lengthy passage really paints a background for, for the environment in which we as, as the church um, uh, will live in. Um, now, obviously, we'll be taken away before this all, um, you know, really comes apart. But, you know, it's beyond dispute that we are living in dark times and we can't pretend that this isn't the case. You know, many people are fearful and anxious about the future. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 24, and verse 37, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming at the coming of the Son of Man. And so, uh, what was it like in the days of Noah? Genesis 6 and 11. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God and full of violence. So the days of Noah were characterized by corruption and violence. And these are the days that we are in. Because the great reset that globalists speak of didn't start with COVID. That process has been ongoing for some time now. We see the breakdown of marriage and family and traditional morality. You know, the brainwashing of people through mainstream media and social media, where they're literally drip-fed lies on a daily basis, drip-fed lies and fear. Um, you know, we see the codification of evil uh, by politicians who enshrine sin in law. Um, we see the colonization of our schools and our colleges by radical leftists. These have all played a part in the spread of this darkness that Isaiah speaks of. And you might be saying, oh, Pastor, you're, you're exaggerating. Well, you know, a friend of mine uh, went back as a mature student to college. One of the first things the lecturer says to this class full of students, um, you know, he declares... Uh, there is no truth. That's a very interesting proposition. If you're marking my papers, um, how are you able to say my answer is right or wrong if there is no truth? Um, and, and, and so, but anyway, this man put his hand up and he said, is it true that Nazism was wrong? And you know, the, 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 the lecture didn't like that, that, that question, uh, but he simply kind of answered, well, you know, all truth is, is relative. And, and this is the problem, is that our generation is embracing uh, uh, darkness. But you know what? Um, you know, even if our generation may be embracing darkness, God rejects it. He, he rejects it uh, utterly. And, you know, he declares in, uh, he warns us in Isaiah 5 and verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And so uh, this, this is what we're seeing. We're seeing... Literally everything that Christ spoke of in Matthew chapter 24, when he spoke about the end times, pestilence, persecution, perversion, violence, rejection of truth and righteousness, even to the point of the rejection of, you know, God-given distinctions between male and female. I think we can agree that it's dark, and it's not being negative or unbelieving to admit this, because let me say this, faith doesn't necessitate that we deny the darkness, just that we acknowledge the light. 
Amen? So we don't have to put our head in the sand and pretend none of what's happening around us is happening. No, um, we just acknowledge the light because again, when you walk into the stadium uh, in, in the morning, it's pitch black until you turn on the light and the light transforms uh, the environment and, and darkness always has to flee in the face of light. Amen? And so... You know, we must understand that, like I say, we don't have to deny darkness, we just acknowledge the light. Because while darkness may be all around you, Christ's light will shine on you and in you and through you. John 1 and, and verse 4 in the New Living, it says, The Word gives light to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. Amen. So the Word, the Word of God gives light gives life to everything that was created and his life brought life to everyone. You see, Jesus Christ truly is the light of the world. And if you allow him, if you allow him his life will bring light to your life and to your family. John 8 and verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Do you have the light of life that Christ alone can bring? Amen? Uh, the, the question is this, if you're following Jesus, you will not walk in darkness. Amen? Because if you're not following Jesus, you're still in darkness. It doesn't matter if you have a PhD or a doctorate or a million euros in the bank, uh, because it is Christ who gives us power to change. You know, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1, here speaks of the birth of Jesus Christ. And it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. We see that the birth of Jesus Christ was signified by a great light, the star of Bethlehem, as was his ministry. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 16, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. And so we see the ministry of Christ was characterized uh, by light arising in darkness. You know, it's not a coincidence that the early church gathered before dawn to worship God, to pray, and, and you know, uh, to study the scriptures. And, uh, uh, you know, even, um, you know, some, some of the... Uh, uh, you know, historians, Roman historian uh, uh, letters from, um, uh, thank you, thank, can't think of his name, uh, Pliny the, the Younger, um, who wrote about between 100 AD and 120 AD, he referred to Christians about how they would gather early in the morning to worship. Do you know that from the 17th century, they put candles on trees, they would attach them by wax or by pins, and, you know, to celebrate Christmas, um, and, but also to signify Christ, the light of the world. You know, uh, back then, like I said, it was candles. Uh, incidentally, it caused a lot of fires. <laughs> Who would have ever guessed? Um, but, um, you know, the lights were there to signify that Christ is the light of the world who, who brings light to all mankind. You know, can you imagine the excitement of the family as they would gather around the tree as they lit the candles? You know, incidentally, Christmas comes at the darkest time of the year. You know, that we just passed the shortest day of the year, December 21st, when there's the least amount of daylight. And it's interesting that December 25th, Christmas Day, is the first day when you can perceive, um, you know, a very, very slight um, uh, lengthening um, of the day. And so, again, this is symbolic of how light overcomes darkness. Numbers chapter 24, here talking about Balaam. And, um, you know, Balaam wasn't a godly man. He wasn't a prophet. But, you know, God spoke um, through a donkey towards to him. And, um, you know, God can use anybody. But here it says... I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. I believe there was a call upon this man's life, but he rejected it and most likely ended up in hell. Because he was, uh, later on you read in the Bible, he, he, in, I think it was in Joshua that, uh, you know, he was, um, that he was killed. Um, but it says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the, the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. So here the Bible, you know, it's prophesying the, the, uh, the arrival of the ministry of Christ as a light uh, or a star uh, arising. Because, you know, light is characteristic of Christmas. We light our homes, our streets, our shops, our trees, um, even our jumpers. And, and yet many people don't even stop to ask 
Why? Um, you know, Matthew 27, verse 45, speaking about uh, Christ uh, on the cross, and it says, Now from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. And um, so while his, his death was signified by darkness, both his birth and his resurrection were signified by light because he rose at dawn on Easter Sunday. And you know, this is symbolic. Dawn is always symbolic of new beginnings, a new day. And today, Christ dwells in the brightness of God's glory and, and in the hearts of those who he, whom he has redeemed by his blood. Because again, one of the characteristics of God's kingdom is light. And um, 1 John 1 and verse 5 says, God is light. This is the message which you have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So there's no darkness in God. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 16 says, um, Who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man uh, can see, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. So the Bible says God dwells in unapproachable light. In the book of Revelation chapter 21, again speaking of the kingdom, it says the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. So the new Jerusalem, Jesus Christ is the light of the new Jerusalem. How much more is he the light of our lives? Um, verse 5 of chapter 22, and it says, There shall be no night there, there shall be no lamp or light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So Christ is the light of our life. And we're not only members of a kingdom that cannot be shaken, we're members of a kingdom of light. You know, Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So the moment you receive Jesus as your Savior, the very moment you give your life to Him, spiritually speaking, you are removed from the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of light. Because we're living in a very divided, polarized society. There's all sorts of divisions in in our society right now you know those who seek to foster division between male and female uh, you, you know between young and old between black and white but all, between rich and poor and all of these distinctions that are made but ultimately the bible only makes two distinctions the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness and we're all members of one of those kingdoms and that should give us perspective and, and uh, you know, enable us to see beyond our differences and drop our prejudices and, and, and love each other and, and serve the Lord and His purposes. So you've been delivered out of the dominion of darkness. And that's why as Christians, we're called out of darkness into a new life. You see, darkness has no more dominion over you. Amen? Because you're a child of light. So you need to walk in the light. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, you are sons of the light. Amen? So, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, and it says, verse 2, But you yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Verse 5, You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort one another and edify one another as you're also doing. The Bible says we are sons and daughters of light. So you're not of the night. You're not of darkness. You don't belong in those places. You don't need a beer bottle in your hand this Christmas. Thank you for that complete silence. You don't need to carry that unforgiveness into the new year. Amen. You don't need to visit those sites anymore because God has called you out of darkness. So don't go back again. Amen. God wants us, you know, to stay free. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. And it says, um, uh, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness 
and into his marvelous light. So we're called to walk out of darkness. You know, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, In whom the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, she shine on them. So again, like I said, it doesn't matter how educated you are, how accomplished, how wealthy, uh, how famous, what you think you have accomplished in this life. It's utterly irrelevant. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior, you are still in utter darkness. Amen. And this is why Jesus is the light of the world, because light brings change. It transforms a room. You know, in the darkness, you can't tell the color of something. You can't see it properly without light. If you don't have light, it's not too unlike being blind. Jesus said to the Pharisees, For judgment I am coming to the world, that they which see might not see, and they which uh, see might be made blind. Some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now that you say we see, therefore your sin remaineth. Helen Keller said this, Blindness cuts us off from things, but deafness cuts us off from people. And sadly, the Pharisees were tone deaf to the voice of God. Amen? And you know what? We can make the very same mistake. We, they knew the scriptures. I mean, they lived, uh, you know, holy lives. They, they you know, they, they prayed. Uh, I mean, on the surface, you would have thought they were great people, and yet they completely missed what God was saying. They were tone deaf to the voice of God. And sadly, this describes our generation. Educated, but ignorant. Blessed, but bound. Much information, but no revelation. You know, look at the individuals and societies that have been affected and reformed by the gospel through the ages. Hearts made whole, lives transformed, behaviors modified, motives purified, families restored, prodigals redeemed, traditions challenged, laws changed, freedoms born, all because of the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Because wherever the teachings of Jesus Christ have gone, they have brought light and they have brought life. Amen? Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 31. And they have built the high places of Topheth, which is in the valley of the sons of Hinnom, to burn their sons and daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come into my heart. You know, we have evidence of human sacrifice in, in, in nations all around the world, including in this nation. Apparently, the Celtic Druids, there is some evidence of some human sacrifice among the, the, the pre-Christian Celtic Druids. West Africa, up to 19th century, it, they had uh, human sacrifice with the, uh, in the Dahomey Kingdom, where they would offer over a thousand um, human sacrifices at the time. We see the Nazcas in, in Peru, the Mayas and the Aztecs in Central America, the Incas in South America, the Phoenicians in North, America, in North Africa, and the Greeks and the Romans were, incidentally, pedestrian or pedophilia was a normalized part of that society. The Mongols had uh, human sacrifice. The Vikings, ancient Pakistan, um, India, the tradition of sati are putting the widow of a, um, a man who had died on the funeral pyre with him, uh, carried on well into the 19th century. Even ancient Israel, Second uh, Chronicles chapter 28, here speaks of um, King Ahaz. And it says, verse 1, um, Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord, as his father David had done. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made molded images for the Baals. He burned incense in the valley of the sons of Hinnom and burned his children in the fire, according to the abominations of the nations which the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. So again, this is an abomination to God. I believe it's an abomination to God that we have abortion in our modern societies. There's no use us looking back at the Aztecs and the Incas and King Ahaz or anybody else and thinking, weren't they brutal when we turn a blind eye to the reality that we have millions of unborn children every year killed in the name of convenience. Verse 22. Now when the time of his uh, distress, King Ahaz became increasingly unfaithful to the Lord. 
For he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which had defeated him, saying, Because the gods of the kings of Syria uh, helped him, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and of all Israel. So Ahaz, that's why we need to pray for godly leaders. A leader can literally bring a nation to destruction. So Ahaz gathered the articles of the house of the Lord, cut in pieces the articles of the house of God, shut up the doors of the house of God. Let me tell you, it's a demonic spirit that wants the doors of churches closed. It, they may give all sorts of reasons, but it is a spirit from hell that wants the houses of worship closed. This is what he did because he was serving the devil. And it says, they closed up the house of the Lord and made themselves um, altars in every uh, corner of Jerusalem. And in every single city of Jerusalem, he made high places to burn incense to other gods and provoke to anger the God of his fathers. You see, King Ahaz offered his children to pagan uh, gods, uh, something God never asked or want, wanted. And it's important to make a distinction between the Bible describing something and endorsing something. The Bible describes all sorts of, of immoral and ungodly things, but it doesn't endorse them. I think it's important to understand that because it's the light of the gospel that shows us that these things are wrong. Um, about seven years ago, I had a Nigerian minister in my church, a wonderful man named Soja Bewarang. Um, Soja, I think his first name, because he, he, uh, he had a relative that was a soldier, and his father wanted to call him after that, so, so he called him Soja Bewarang, and he was a wonderful man, but I remember talking to him afterwards, um, you know, because obviously Nigeria was part of the British Empire, and I, I, I just wanted to get his feelings on, and, on you know, because obviously Ireland was part of the British Empire one time as well, and uh, I... I you know, the one thing he said to me was this. He said, well, before the British came, my ancestors were worshipping a tree. When the British left, we were worshipping the living God. And so, uh, you know, in a generation where we want to go to all sorts of extremes and rewrite history, and uh, I, I think it's important that we can uh, gain some perspective. You know, that, uh, uh, you know... Uh, not everything that happened in the past was right, but you know what? God is able to work all things to the good of those who love him. And so I, I just thought that was an interesting perspective to have. And, and so today we see nations that are controlled by Islam or under Sharia law. They're not free. Um, the UAE, United Arab Emirates, in 2022 are going to see the opening of a so-called um, Abrahamic uh, family house, which will have a huge synagogue, a huge mosque, and a huge church, all on one site. This is endorsed and supported by the Pope, and it, support, it supposedly captures the shared values between Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. But this is the thing. While there may be shared values, there isn't a shared Savior. And this is why uh, true Christians will not be able to support this one world religion that is going to be promoted in the days to come. Because everything right now is becoming global. We look at the World Health Organization. We look at the UN. We look at all of these COVID mandates that are, you know, really uh, subverting national governments and applying global governance. Because we know where this is going to end with a one world government. But there's also going to be a one world religion. And so I think it's important to understand that the stumbling block for, for these various faiths coming together is Jesus Christ because you see he is the cornerstone and the Bible says salvation is found in nobody nobody else there is no other name given to men by which they may be saved but I think it's kind of ironic that they chose the UAE um, uh, to do this because it's illegal to have a cross on the outside of a building in the UAE it's illegal to share the gospel and you know if a Muslim uh, you know uh, turns from his religion converts to Christianity it's the death penalty because no Jesus, no life, no freedom. And this is why, like I said, you look at societies where the gospel has not gone. There is no freedom. Freedom as we know it today, even though we use it today for all sorts of ungodly means, freedom as we know it was, was birthed out of the Bible and out of the gospel and out of the teachings of Christ. The reason why we, we you know, women and men today have, have um, you know, freedom and the reason why we value women uh, as opposed to in many other societies where they were treated as, you know, the property of the husband... I, you know, I believe originated from the Bible because God respects and values the individual. Amen? And so this, this is important uh, to, to understand. So anyway, 
our highest attainments and freedoms as a society have been birthed out of the lives of the gospel because it was Christians who sought to abolish slavery. We see the story of William Wilberforce. And, uh, you know, it was out of the Bible that, that he saw that all men are created in the image of God. Um, again, uh, m most of our orphanages and schools were started by Christians. Um, you know, uh, Charles G. Finney, great revivalist, a wonderful, wonderful man of God. Uh, uh, and, uh, but, you know, in America, he, he started a, a school for, for girls because nobody at that point had thought of, of actually educating women. So, you know, our, our freedoms and our laws have been birthed from biblical principles. You know, we swear in the Bible when we go into court. And, you know, it's testament to the fact that the Bible is accepted as a universal standard of truth. You know, Proverbs 14, 34 says, righteousness exalts. Is it okay this morning for, if we kind of get into the word? I know I could do a little teaching about Jesus, light of the world, whatever, and just let you, I'll give you a 10-minute sermonette. But you know what? I believe we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, okay? And I think it's important. If we want to encounter Christ, you will not encounter him without the word of God. So, you know, let's, let's really just press in here this morning. I know you're going to go home and, you know, eat turkey and chicken and go into a, a turkey coma afterwards. But I think it's important right now that we just give the word of God the time it deserves. Proverbs 14:34. righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. This is why the further a nation or individual goes from the Bible and the teachings of Christ, the darker it becomes. This is why we're seeing, you know, crime and gangland murders, abortion, euthanasia, racism, domestic violence, promiscuity, divorce, human trafficking, wars, and genocide, because when men no longer regard God's life, they no longer value human life or the rights or dignity of others. This is why you have nations like Iceland boasting about how they're close to becoming 100% Down syndrome free. It's not that they've found a cure. They're simply, um, you know, aborting all of these children before they are born. But you see, Jesus shows us a different way. Love. God so loved the world. Luke 7, Jesus said, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The golden rule of God's kingdom, treat others the way you want to be treated. You know, uh, love is the currency of God's kingdom. You know, Jesus showed us a different way. Instead of greed, give. Instead of hate, love. Instead of violence, kindness. Uh, instead of revenge, forgiveness. Amen? Because, again, Jesus declared, I am the way. The way to what? The way to a new life. The way to a new world. We must just follow the light. You know, Acts chapter 26, I don't have time to go there, but you know, Paul the apostle saw a great light and he was never the same again. He was transformed. You know, he saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun. You know, G Paul saw the light. That's where we get the phrase, you know, I've seen, I've seen the light. You know, because Paul was an angry, violent, dangerous man. But you know what? Just one encounter with Christ, and he was never the same again. From thenceforth, he was in the grip of grace. Amen. Paul was, was in the grip of grace from that point on. And history records the multitudes of men and women who saw the light, and their lives were forever changed. Because Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You see, we're called to bring change to our surroundings. And we must leave the world better than we found it. But again, we can't give what we don't have. We can't bring others where we're not willing to go ourselves. Amen. So do you follow Jesus, the light of the world? Because there's a number of things I want to quickly go through. Firstly, Christ's light brings comfort. Psalm 88 and verse 12. Are your wonders known in the place of darkness and your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion. So Christ suffered in darkness on our behalf. It was dark at Gethsemane. It was dark on the cross. It was dark in the very bowels of hell where Christ went to suffer for three days on our behalf. Amen. Job chapter 10 and verse 21. Uh, you know, Job probably speaks of hell, um, even though it doesn't use the word. I believe Job describes hell more than any other book in the Bible. Verse 21, and it says, Before I go to the place from which I shall not return, to the land of darkness and the shadow of death, a land as dark as darkness itself, as the shadow of death without any order, where even the light is like darkness. Here Job describes hell. And this is where all of us were going 
until Jesus went to the cross because nobody likes being in the dark. You know, as a child, you, you know, I remember the comfort of having a light on at night. You know, the first thing you do when you walk into your house at night, in the winter particularly, is you turn on the lights and then you put on a fire. It, it, it brings comfort. You know, Romans 4, 15 and 4 speaks about the comfort of the scriptures. You see, God's word will comfort you if only you will read it. And yet people waste so much time, you know, watching conspiracy videos on YouTube or mindlessly scrolling through Instagram and Facebook. And then they wonder why they feel inadequate or why they feel depressed or discouraged. And yet their Bible lies unopened. Isaiah 26 and 3. Him will you keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So firstly, Christ's light brings comfort. Amen. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a... a, 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 a I'm going to read it. I don't want to rush through. Praise God. I'm, I'm almost there. Just stick with me. Psalm 119 and verse uh, 105. Thank you, Jesus. And it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Hallelujah. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Verse 130, and it says, the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. We need to walk in the light of God's word because we won't have peace or assurance in these uncertain times unless we're walking in the light of the word. Amen. We must be obedient to the Bible. Christ's light brings comfort. Secondly, it brings clarity. You know, I think one of the characteristics of our age is confusion because God's word brings light and makes things clear. Acts 17 and 29, it says, And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in, in past time, in earlier times. But now he commands everyone, everywhere, to repent of their sins and turn to him. You see, where God doesn't suggest that he commands us, turn from our sins. And I think Christmas, this season, is a wonderful time for us to search our hearts and to see if there's any area of compromise or sin in our life and dedicate our lives to serve him uh, you, you know, in, in, you know, in a better way in the year to come. Think of the benefits of life in a storm, uh, particularly a lighthouse. Or think of street lights. You know, they make things clear and they expose dangers. You know, nobody likes being in the dark. I don't watch horror films, but, you know, anytime I've seen a trailer for them, one thing that's consistent with horror films is they're generally filmed in the shadows or dark places. You know, Psalm 73 talks about, until I went into the house of God, then I understood. You see, some things will not make sense to you until you come into God's presence. You know, there's a saying, shed some light on the situation. You know, you can't read in darkness. Uh, you know, Psalm 119, again, uh, I, I want to read this, and it says in verse um, 9, it says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Verse 18, it says, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things out of your law. Uh, verse 133, Direct my steps by your word. Uh, let no iniquity have dominion over me. Verse 160 says, the entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Amen? So, again, the, the, it's the light that makes things clear. 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Christ's light brings comfort. It brings clarity. Thirdly, it brings security. Ephesians 5 and verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. I know many Christians who talk like children of light, but walk like children of the devil. And that, that is not consistent. I'm just being honest. I'm not trying to make anybody uncomfortable. You know, I, sometimes I think some people needed to be pushed down a second time when they're being baptized. But again, I don't know what's going to happen to them when Christ returns. But, you know, I certainly question if you're living with your girlfriend and Christ returns or you're downloading porn or you're doing whatever ungodly thing, I'm not sure if you're ready to, to meet Christ at his return. I know his blood cleanses us from all sins, but the Bible says by their fruits they will be known. So if you're truly born again, then you're not going to be walking in darkness. You're going to be walking in light. Could somebody say amen? Amen. amen because you are not secure and you are not safe. If you're walking in darkness, you're on the devil's territory. That's why you need to repent of your sin while there's still time. 
And um, you know, this is what we must understand. Thieves always work in darkness. So the devil will work in darkness. That's why, again, step out of the darkness into the light. John 12 and 35, Jesus said, now is judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I'm lifted up from this earth, I will draw all men unto me. You see, Christ is drawing us unto him. And that's why we must walk in the light. You know, when you're in a city, you should always only walk in well-lit areas at night. If you're in the jungle, you need to light a fire to keep wild animals away. Oh, wow, Pastor John, where'd you learn that? Indiana Jones. Um, you know, traffic lights are there to stop you getting killed. Okay, if it's a red light, you need to stop. I remember a friend of mine, I, I led him to Christ. And um, uh, he, he was a, a truck mechanic. But he had worked on the continent driving Arctic trucks. And one time he told me he needed to pull in to check on, on the load. So it was a very narrow place. So he pulled in as far as he could. And he walked along the barrier as he tightened the straps along the side of the load, which is fine. He walked back along the barrier, balancing himself, got back into the truck, drove, along, uh, drove off. And on the way back, it was daylight when he was coming back. And suddenly he realized that barrier was there because there was a sheer drop of hundreds of feet. But because it was dark, he was utterly unaware of the danger he was in. And that is the way it is with so many people today. They're utterly unaware of the fact that they're standing on the very edge of eternity. They're not born again. They're not saved. Or if they are, they're not living for Christ. And they're not ready to stand before the Lord. You see, Christ's light brings security. Amen. If you walk in the light, you are secure. Amen. So many people are utterly unaware of the danger or the peril that their soul is in. You know, Romans 13 and verse 12 says, put on the armor of light. Why does the Bible say that to Christians? Surely it suggests the fact that some people aren't wearing the armor of light. Amen. So again, let's determine to, it's not automatic. You know, he who dwells in the secret place, ask yourself, am I walking in the light or am I walking in the darkness? 2 Corinthians 13, 5 and 6, examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. Like I said, all of us have a few days off, and it's a great opportunity when the business, the busyness of life and our career and all of the other things, you know, that you have a, 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 some time, examine yourself, search your heart. You know, Lord, like it says in the Psalms, search me and know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Because you know what? It's not too late to change. I, I don't accept that. You know, the devil will always try and whisper in your ear, well, you've gone too far down the wrong road. No, it's not too late to change. You know, 1 John 2 and 9 talks about he who hates his brother is in darkness. And I want to read this because particularly a lot of you are going to be spending time around your family. So I want you to read this. And it says, he who says who is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You know, Christmas is a time when Irish families gather to eat and drink and fight. Um, don't take the bait, okay? You don't need to get into that argument, whether it's about politics or vaccines. Just eat your turkey, pull the cracker, compliment the chef, and keep your peace. Amen? Come on, that's good preaching. Just keep your peace. Sometimes you just have to be the bigger person. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 38, let him that is ignorant be ignorant. You know, if somebody wants to be ignorant and, you know, ask you all sorts of personal questions about your medical state, you don't have to go there. Just say, you know what, that's none of your business. I love you. Let's just eat some more turkey. Amen. Let's put on some karaoke. Glory to God. Amen. Because it's important because one of the characteristics of God's kingdom is light and Satan's kingdom is darkness. And every day you're serving one or the other. And that's why the devil at times will give you the bait. Don't take the bait. Amen. Hallelujah. So give me two minutes and I'm finished. Okay. Three things are three keys to following Christ, the light of the world. Firstly, we must step into the light. It says, to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be children of God. Jesus Christ is the light of the world, firstly, because he saves us from an eternal hell. Have you received Jesus into your heart? Wonderful. If you haven't, until you do, you're in gross darkness. Because a PhD or, uh, like I said, a doctorate or a million euros in the bank doesn't make you a better person. 
Jesus said, you must be born again. But pastor, I'm not good enough. None of us are. And this is why God in his grace saved us anyway. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will never cast him away. Amen. So Christ will take you as you are and he will make you into a new creature. Firstly, step into the light. Secondly, stay in the light. Don't just be a good starter. Be a good finisher. Amen. You know, as a pastor, I'm always mindful of this time of year. I, I just think about how many people started with us in church, and yet how many people fall away and just, you know, fall into sin or disappear or whatever else. Hebrews 6 and verse 4, and it says, It's impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify uh, to themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Don't crucify Jesus again by going off and living in sin and, uh, you know, and, and indulging sin in your life by just you know, a flawed understanding of grace. Well, God's grace enables me to do whatever. No, it doesn't. The grace of God empowers us to live holy. Read the book of Jude. It tells us, that, uh, it, it says, the grace of God that brings repentance. God's grace will enable you to live a holy life. So stay in the light. Don't fall away. Amen. Third Peter and chapter, Second uh, Peter chapter 3 and verse 17. And it says, you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and forever and ever. You know, Paul, the apostle, stayed in the light and he stayed in the fight. And yes, the Christian walk is a fight. And I think in the days to come, we're going to see more persecution. We're going to see more pressure. There's going to be a cost to the call. Amen? But you know what? Like Paul the Apostle said, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. Let's determine in this year to come that no matter what comes, we're going to give our best to God. We're not going to be backsliding one day, you know, serving God, the next day back in the world. No, let's determine to run, to pursue Christ, to follow the call of God in our lives. Paul persisted in spite of opposition, persecution, and temptation. Amen? And let us do the same. Let's give God our very best. You know, 2 Timothy 4.10, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Don't be like that. Amen? Demas fell away from Christ. He fell away from God. You know, it's sad. He started, but he didn't finish. He's, he's, let, stick with Jesus no matter what happens. Because as long as you follow him, you are in the light. Every step away from Jesus is a step into darkness. That's why if she doesn't love Jesus, she's the wrong girlfriend. If he doesn't love Jesus, he's the wrong boyfriend. I'm not talking about husband and wife. If you're married, make it work. I'm just saying, if you're still single and you have a choice, don't go there. Amen? Hallelujah. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Remember, the devil is out there to trip you up. But you know what? Three things. Step into the light. Secondly, stay in the light. And lastly, as I finish, as the worship group come forward, shine your light. We're ending right where we started. Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men. Hallelujah. It's the worship group, wherever they may be. Hallelujah. May come forward. Jesus said, shine your light. You see, Paul said, for the love of Christ compels me. I, I really believe this. I, I can't understand Christians who say, oh Lord Jesus, take us away. I want to get out of here. Then things are getting bad. You know, I woke up this morning and I, said, I, I just had a thought. I said, you know what? If Jesus was to return today, I would say, Lord, could you leave me behind? I know I'm not one of the Jewish evangelists, but would you let me behind to try and reach some people for Jesus? Because I can't accept this is how it ends. And if it does, I don't want to go. Because this world is not ready for eternity. This nation is not ready for eternity. You and I know that. So let's stand to our feet for a moment and let's just begin on this Christmas day. Let's just begin to pray for this nation. You know, for all of the men and women who are caught up in addiction. You know, all of the men and women that are in prison. All those who are bound by Satan. You know, whether that's bound by, by drugs or bound by greed and materialism. 
You know, those who are in ignorance and darkness, we know this world is not ready to stand before Christ. So Lord, we pray that you will use us to shine the light of the gospel because we are obligated by a lost and a dying world. We are obligated by the blood that you shed on the cross for all mankind. For God so loved the world. Lord, you love sinners. You love people that are broken. You love people that are lost. Help us to love people like you love them. Help us to see in people what you see in them. Forgive us for the times when we have been self-righteous or when we have been selfish or when we have been cold or uncaring. Lord, you love people. Help us to love them like you love them in Jesus' name. Help us to go. Help us to go to a lost world and to shine the light in Jesus' name. Help us to have a smile on our face in spite of what's going on around us, Lord. Help us to broadcast, hallelujah, your love, your joy, your kindness in Jesus' name. Help us to be a walking advertisement for the gospel. Forgive us for the times when we have given into despair, our discouragement, our dis depression, our sadness, Lord. Help us to have a smile on our face. Help us to care for other people. Help us to reach out to the lost, to the broken in Jesus' name. Because this world needs to hear our testimony. Amen. This world needs to hear your story. You know, Psalm 66, we're going to pray. But I want to read this Psalm because I think it's important. And it says, Psalm 66 and verse 16. Thank you, Lord. Come and hear all you who fear God. And I will declare what he has done for my soul. Is there anybody here today that can say God has done something in my life? God has touched me. He has forgiven me. He has guided me. He has directed me. He has saved me. He has protected me. He has blessed me. He has lifted me. Come on. We all have a testimony. We all have a testimony of what God has done for us. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Glory to Jesus, Lord. We thank you that you have redeemed us. And in Jesus' name, help us to go. Help us to be like Isaiah who declared, Here am I, Lord. Send me because Jesus you are the light of the world and you want to shine your light through us in Jesus name so just lift your hands say Lord use me in Jesus name just pray with me right now say Lord use me for your purposes just put the music down for a second just declare it use me for your purposes I'm willing I want to shine I want to serve your purposes. I want to do your will. I want to run my race. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So help me, Lord, to lift you up. And I ask that you would shine your light on me and in me and through me in Jesus' name. If you believe that, could you give a shout of praise to the Lord? Come on. Hallelujah.